Well, it's Wednesday evening, so time to check in with a journalist in this country who's doing interesting work. As always, there are many out there, many stories to choose from. This one was serendipitous because there are other things going on. But then this came up today. Ottawa's reviewing an RCMP equipment contract with a company that has ties to China's government, Radio Canada reports. Uh, they say that the federal procurement department awarded a nearly $550,000 contract to Ontario-based Sinclair Technologies last year to build and maintain a radio frequency filtering system for the RCMP. Now, its parent company, Sinclair's, is Norsat International, and that has been owned by Chinese telecom firm Hytera since 2017. And in turn, the Chinese government owns about 10% of Hytera through an investment fund, according to the reporting. Prime Minister Trudeau called the news disconcerting. Absolutely, we're going to be following up on this, uh, finding out, uh, first of all, what needs to be done to ensure that our communications technology is uh, secure, but also make sure we're figuring out how this could continue to happen. Continue to happen. Uh, the public safety minister says he's ordered his staff to look closely at the contract and figure out why it was awarded and the process in place. Now, it turns out the U.S. banned the use of high terror technology for the purposes of public safety, government security and surveillance uh, because it was deemed a risk to their national security. And then in February... The same company, Hytera, was indicted on 21 counts in an espionage case that involved trade secrets and uh, Motorola. Uh, Hytera has denied that one. Well, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev, uh, needless to say, said this was astonishing um, that the government would award a contract for counter-espionage equipment to a company that is accused in the U.S. of espionage. It's almost something that you'd expect to be out of a spy novel, but characters in spy novels would never be that incompetent. So the Prime Minister has to take the responsibility for his own government rather than trying to blame everyone else all the time and explain why he put in place a system that allowed this contract to go ahead. Now, coincidentally, this all came on the same day that the Liberal government, the industry minister specifically, announced several changes to Canada's investment screening law. Uh, François-Philippe Champagne said geopolitics have vastly changed in recent years and that Canada needs to address the challenges facing its economic and national security. To protect Canadian interests, to secure our resources and to keep Canadians safe, we are doing the most significant update of the law in more than a decade. Now, Champagne did not mention the word China, but proposed amendments to the Investment Canada Act would require foreign investors to notify the federal government about investments in certain business sectors. Which ones? We don't know yet, but I think we can guess. Joining me now is Toronto Star correspondent based in Vancouver, Jeremy Nuttall. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me on. So uh, to this whole idea of the, this whole affair with the RCMP contract, not the first time this has happened. Um, did this one surprise you? Well, that's the thing is it doesn't because it isn't the first time this has happened. And you've got to start wondering, you know, where is this, uh, what, what's this culture of indifference to it that allows it to continue to happen? Because it would be pretty easy, one would imagine, certainly if the Americans had the company on their radar, it would be pretty easy to trace back ownership of any company, right, when you're awarding these kinds of contracts? You would think, but it's, it's not just in this particular area. You know, we've done stories before where uh, companies that were linked to the Chinese government were flagged by the United States government for various reasons and only to find out that the Canadian government hasn't even clocked them. Uh, there seems to be a fundamental uh, void when it comes to competence on this particular uh, bit of uh, procurement. It was interesting to hear the Prime Minister say, again, <laughs> how did this happen again? Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, clearly they're waking up to it today. Again, we saw those new rules come in for, uh, you know, for investment and so on. I mean, obviously the government's waking up to it, but it feels like there's a lot of, there's a lot of holes, a lot of holes in that, in this system. Yeah, and I really, I, I, I think it just comes back to a, a culture of naivete uh, on, on the part of Ottawa and the, the civil service that's been going on for years and years. And, you know, just because the Canadian government announces a new Indo-Pacific strategy that's meant to counter China's influence uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, doesn't mean that uh, that sort of attitude and culture still isn't going to be around and you're going to have uh, people who shrug their shoulders and say, well, you know, Ottawa doesn't have a problem with us doing this in the past and uh, so we'll do it, we'll, we'll continue to do it or just let their guard down and don't properly vet companies because they, they haven't been given any reason to worry uh, from Ottawa. And I think you've probably uh, noticed it as well just over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, just a when it, when it comes to not just government procurement, but also a uh, Canadian government allowing certain companies to be purchased despite uh, questionable uh, ties to the Chinese government, or how long it took the Canadian government to make a decision on Huawei, which other, other countries had already made a decision on. We really seem to lag in this area, and uh, it yeah. seems to be uh, an endemic problem. Yeah, the Huawei, I was about to bring up the Huawei decision because, of course, the five eye, within the five eyes, you know, the Australia, New Zealand, UK, US and us, uh, there must be more questions now about this one. They're going to see these headlines once again and think, what? What? You let, you let a company with, with ties to the Chinese government, quote unquote. Now, the company says it operates independently here, so we'll give them that. But nonetheless, the ties are there. Um, you know, other members of the five eyes are going to see this headline yet again and say, wait a second, they were building that, they were letting a company with ties to the Chinese government build them um, equipment for their for their national police force. That seems a little that seems a little uh, nearsighted. Yeah, you have to wonder at what point some of the other five eyes are. are I mean, I'm sure that they're already concerned about some of Canada's actions in the past, but then to see these things keep coming up, you've got to wonder if at some point they're not going to call a, a five eyes conference just to address it and maybe ask uh, Canada what what exactly it's doing. Yeah, share with us what we don't what we what we don't want to make what mistakes we don't want to make. Uh, speaking of things that are going on in Canada, uh, you reported again this week on these uh, sort of these police stations. Now it's hard to sort of figure out exactly what they might look like. You probably have a good idea, uh, but this yeah, is well, based on a global a global report. There's a, a, several in Canada and dozens around the world. Yeah, and um, we did uh, we sent a, a photographer and a reporter to a number of the, the three locations to all of them, I should say in the GTA um, about a month and a half ago. And of course, one was just a convenience store. Another one was a private residence and one was a, uh, a community or a business association rather. And they were just sort of being used as meeting places for, for business being done by these stations. And I have a pretty good idea where one of the ones in Vancouver is, but of course I can't say it because I haven't proven it yet, but um, I have been there and it's a, of course, just as well, another kind of an association building. Um, and so, you know, I mean, I know that a lot of people in their minds think that this is like a police station with a sign and a call 911 sticker on the front and all that, but it's not. They're, yeah. they're mostly just buildings or, or associations that are allowing their, their facilities to be used for this activity. So what is going on then? Because clearly you don't walk in the front door and see, you know, a Chinese police officer behind a desk, right? I mean, that's not what's going on here. So what exactly is happening and what is the, what is the big concern about, about how they're allowed to, how they're operating with impunity on our territory? Well, it sounds like what's happening is, is they are using the facilities to sort of plan how to uh, coerce or intimidate uh, people who are wanted in China for various reasons. 
into going back there to to face charges or or just I mean in some cases there's there's people that are just living in areas of the world where China doesn't want its citizens living and has have been trying to coerce people to go back for that reason or, or sometimes maybe loud dissidents etc. So it seems that these places are being used as meeting areas where they're sort of deciding how they're going to approach the person um, and whether whether that person's even going to come and meet with them at that location perhaps even. Um, what we did get a glimpse of recently due to a New York state lawsuit, or pardon me, criminal charges, um, an indictment that sort of showed how they tried to intimidate one particular uh, person into going back to China to face fraud charges that were 20 years old. And they, you know, they did things like go to his house and, you know, leave notes on his door and they even wiggled the knob and, and things like that. And it was, it's all very, you know, it's, it's very concerning from some members of the, the Chinese diaspora in Canada because, you know, as I said, it's not just criminals they're going after, apparently. Yeah, these are these are agents of Chinese of, of Chinese security apparatus operating, you know, carrying yeah. out essentially uh, uh, carrying out cases on our territory. Right? I mean, that's what it boils down yeah. to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if they are criminals, well, that's not their job to come over here and sneak around and, and try to uh, do their own law enforcement, right? There, are, I, I gather from this reporting from this. Uh, Spanish human rights group, uh, Safeguard Defenders, that there are uh, upwards of 100 of these around the world, at least as far as they could tell. And they're using open source material. That means this isn't hidden. They're actually gleaning this out of public spaces, right? Yeah, they're getting it from a lot of it's from Chinese government documents and news releases or, or Chinese uh, uh, newspaper articles from sources within China itself. And yeah, if you if you piece it all together, you can figure out exactly where these stations are. And one of the documents they found uh, had the Chinese government bragging that they had managed to convince 230,000 uh, wanted people to return to China via this particular approach. Wow. Has anyone else done anything? I mean, is it as big a deal elsewhere as it has been here? I noticed the Americans start to talk about this a bit, uh, but clearly everyone is waking up to the fact that these um, sort of de facto police, or at least police gathering areas exist on in many countries. Yeah, well, Ireland ordered them to close theirs, um, just flat out said, shut it down. Uh, ditto the Netherlands. They ordered them to shut two of them. Um, Austria is investigating them. I believe the UK is investigating them. Canada, of course, uh, the RCMP has said they're investigating the three in the GTA. They haven't uh, answered any queries about uh, what they're doing with the Vancouver location. Um, and I think it's about 13 countries in all that have uh, taken some form of action, whether it be just investigating or ordering them to close. But of course, it's about, uh, I think it's more than 50, 50 53 countries uh, in total um, where these stations are, are you know, said to exist. So it's a, pretty, uh, it's a pretty small number in the grand scheme of it. Yeah, this can't be a coincidence. I find it interesting that they're all linked to sort of smaller cities, places you might not even even have heard of in terms of whose security forces or whose security employees are actually doing the work. Yeah, that is interesting. And I, I can't come up with a reason that I can verify on that. But the only thing I can think of is that they hope that it would fly under the radar more if they had sort of obscure, uh, you know, cities that were linked to their own personal or their own, uh, you know, uh, their own uh, business associations and community associations, of which, as you know, there are many across Canada. So it could be that they're just picking the ones that are, uh, you know, able to to facilitate this the most easiest. Um, the you know the Fujo Fujo police were associated with three of the the stations in the Toronto area. Um, so you got to wonder if, if maybe it's just due to a major presence of of Fujo 
uh, organizations there. After years of extreme COVID lockdown, with shocking scenes of citizens pulled from their homes and forced into quarantine, China now easing COVID restrictions that prompted mass protests and plunged China's economy into dangerous territory. Martha Raditz of ABC there. Yes, a huge about face in China. You have to understand just how rare it is for the Communist Party to uh, change its mind about something. And Xi Jinping had very much staked a lot of his reputation on the fact that China's zero COVID policy was superior to what other countries were doing and uh, had a very hard time deciding to pull out of it when it seemed faced with Omicron that it just wasn't working anymore. Jerry, Nutt, Jeremy Nuttall of the Toronto Star is with us this half hour. Yeah, so for those of us who've spent time in China, you know, um, uh, we were wrong is a story is a, is a word you may never phrase you may never hear but this is about as close as it gets yeah it's it's very uh, a very interesting development and i kind of wonder what's going to come with it because you know do do people see this as some weakness in the government and they're going to push on other things or are they going to see it as they got what they wanted so leave it alone uh is the government going to regret it because they don't have a, a proper uh, vaccination regime over there uh, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next month. Yeah, I mean, certainly, although it was hard to tell just how, you know, how widespread the, the anger was, we could tell it was fairly widespread. But, you know, there were certainly reports of uh, of protests in many cities, some of them calling for Xi Jinping to resign, which is certainly comes with its risks in China. Uh, but um, Zhongnanhai, Beijing, certainly spooked by this one would think. Yeah, and, you know, I think that a lot of it had to do with the shades of Tiananmen. Uh, a lot of people forget, obviously, uh, that the Tiananmen uh, protests were, were widespread across China. It wasn't just in Beijing. And they haven't seen any kind of a galvanized movement of that size until this. And, you know, it's coming at a time where uh, the government and the country are, are in a very vulnerable position with their healthcare system as well as the economy. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Apple and uh, considering moving out as, as well as other Western companies that helps, uh, you know, eject money into China are also looking at pulling out. Uh, foreign affairs aren't going so well. Uh, so it's, you know, yeah, it's definitely a precarious time. Uh, and I think that that might be the real reason that uh, they, they blinked on this one. Yeah. Interesting about Apple, isn't it? I mean, they're under criticism now for just how much they've had to, I mean, so much of their production, I think 90% of their products are assembled in China, at least. Um, they're under some criticism now, but just how much they've uh, colluded might be the wrong word, but let's use it anyway, how much they've colluded with the, with the, with Beijing over the years to try to make sure they could do business there. Yeah, I mean, including just now, by uh, there was a, a situation where uh, protesters in China were using the Google, or pardon me, the Apple uh, airdrop app to uh, spread messages in protest zones on buses, etc. And uh, the uh, Apple turned that off at, at the request of the Chinese government, it would appear. Uh, and so they've, they've obviously uh, been taking some heat for that. Uh, and of course, the, the treatment of, of their workers is once again an issue. And at some point, you just got to wonder if Apple's thinking like, it's just too much uh, of a PR mess to, to keep this up. Yeah, but it, but also hard for them to move. I mean, so reliant on yeah. Foxconn is is uh, has been a huge part of their of their process for many years. Now, very hard to pack that all up and move it to other places, uh, even if they wanted to, at least not quickly. Yeah, well, they have been investing uh, hundreds of millions of dollars into Vietnam uh, to build facilities there, but I don't know how far along those facilities are. 
I just know that they have committed that kind of money. And as you say, you can't just you know you can't just pack it up on a whim. I mean, that Zhengzhou factory uh, could accommodate more than three hundred thousand workers. Uh, not even I shouldn't yeah. say factory. I should just say plant or or miniature town just building phones. Uh, or city yeah. is just building phones, really. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's it's not something that they could just quickly wind up. No, it's like the the size of sort of an average Canadian city, all dedicated to one company, right? If you think about it, it's it's pretty remarkable. Um, yeah, I mean, on a lighter note, Jeremy, have... yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I don't even know if we ever had you know operations that large in the West at the height of the uh, the industrialization of Western nations. I mean, three hundred thousand all at one plant is pretty big. But anyway, sorry, go on. Uh, no, I was saying we tonight we've been talking about your favorite Christmas specials because we're going to dig into uh, the history of a Charlie Brown Christmas, which debuted 57 years ago this week. And just wondering in your household now, you must have your favorites. I know you've got your girls. Uh, any, any, what, what are the favorites around? What are the Christmas special favorites around the house these days? It's always Rudolph. That the claymation Rudolph. Yeah. We've actually watched that twice now. Um, Already, well, I've watched it. We've started it twice, and then they've gone halfway through. Um, but <laughs> that one's still my favorite. Um, but what, what I find is interesting is we're getting to a point now where uh, all those classic uh, Christmas specials are now old and unappealing. And like kids my children's age, they have their new sort of classics. Um, right. And, you know, it's, 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 it's disconcerting, Ben. I, don't, <laughs> I can't <laughs> communicate with them on Christmas specials. No, I mean, what you can do, I think, I think one way to do it is you put on the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. And that can, that can sometimes um, take away from sort of the, the lack of sophistication of the actual product itself, maybe. True, and it is good cocktail music. It is. It is. Well, it's kind of like a bossa nova record, as we found out earlier. <laughs> so, yeah, Rudolph, I mean, funnily enough, Rudolph had come out the year before, and uh, Timex had sponsored it, so it was a big deal. And the reason a Charlie Brown Christmas got made is that Coca-Cola wanted in. And they sort of said, hey, what about a Charlie Brown thing? And that's how it all got started, you know? There you go. Jeremy, thank you so much. Thanks. Have a good night.